Well, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where our goal, our stated objective is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to everyday life. And uh, what an amazing opportunity that is, privilege that is to be with you guys. We had our first episode last week. This is episode two. Episode two. And, uh, and here we go, off to the races. Yeah, we're so appreciative that you're taking some time to join us, to watch us, yeah. to process some of this information with us. Yeah, yeah. we were pleasantly surprised. We, 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 I know your mom watched, my mom <laughs> watched, but uh, I know a lot of you have really helped us out by by liking it and sharing, sharing it, it and, yeah. uh, and spreading the word. And uh, we, we, we had a lot of uh, good response. We're Great response. Pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. So we're looking to, we're looking to continue to get the message out um, so hopefully we can uh, help some more people through some of these podcasts absolutely so, yeah. and you know we shared we, we're calling this a discipleship podcast because every single one of you who are listening right now or watching are called to be a follower of Jesus disciples of Christ to uh, take up our nets and to follow him drop our nets and follow him uh, and to uh, pursue what it means to be a lover of Christ in a in a fallen broken world yeah. and uh, and our goal is again no matter who you are out there watching no matter what you do for a living uh our job is to apply the lordship of jesus to our everyday lives and that that's about as broad as it gets yeah we we mentioned last week that what the, the countercultural uh value that we we try to communicate here is that jesus christ is lord over every arena yeah. of Reality, Yeah, and that is a radical statement, and I want you to yeah. feel how radical that is. We're basically saying, and this is the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is Lord over everything, over all. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing we could talk about in our culture today uh, to which somebody could say, well, what does that have to do with Jesus, or what does that have to do with religion or right. church? Uh, right. Every square inch, as yeah. Abraham Kuyper said, every square inch of our culture, uh, Jesus claims to be Lord over. Yeah, so we're breaking out of the religion box compartmentalization, and we're yeah. saying, no, everything belongs to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No so, compartments. No compartments Which, here, which so. is radical. Well, hey, we, we had Memorial uh, Weekend, Memorial Day that we celebrated this past weekend. We're blessed with some beautiful weather. What did yeah. what, what, the Ming family do? Well, I did what I do pretty much every weekend is I watch my kids, play with my kids, entertain my kids, yeah. uh, which is exhausting in itself, but it was great. You know, Exhausting and fun at the same time. Exhausting and fun at the same time. And what I'm sitting do? back, I was enjoying the fact that you are raising a young family and you're exhausted trying to keep up with them because I did that already. Yeah, and uh, I'm enjoying my grandkids now and I'm enjoying, uh, well, you know what I did. Yeah, yeah, you probably worked in your yard, huh? <laughs> I don't get this this tan from laying on a beach somewhere. I get I get this suntan from being outside, which I love to do, planting some shrubs yeah. and uh, working in the yard with my lovely wife. We had a, we had a great time. But, you know, Memorial Memorial Day and Memorial Weekend remind us as Americans uh, that we get to do these types of activities and enjoy our families, enjoy yeah. what we, we love to do, whatever that is, um, because people have gone ahead of us and paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so we, we pause to say thank you to, to those who have given their lives so that we can enjoy the kind of freedom that we have here in America. Yeah, memorial means to remember, right? Yeah. And I saw a couple of memes on Facebook saying, you know, Memorial Day is not barbecue day. And it was, we often associate with that. It's really for us, for us to rem pause and remember the ultimate sacrifice yeah. these men and women have made um, for, for us. Absolutely. So. And, I, you know, I was talking to one of our, our young people just the other day, and he was sharing a story that, that happened at work where one of his 
co-workers said, I don't even know why we have Memorial Day and was just really cynical about it. And he looked right. at him like, what is the matter with you? You know, we're we're here today working our jobs and pursuing life and enjoying yeah. uh, all the blessings we have in America because some people were willing to pay the ultimate price. And I think, you know, that's one thing you and I talked about. It's like, as Americans today, are we, are there, is there anything more valuable to us than life itself? Because that, that's the stark reminder of Memorial Day is that it screams to us that there's some things in life that are more valuable than life. Right. There are some things right. worth giving your life for. Absolutely. And, and as Americans, uh, our freedoms have been something uh, historically that we've realized are worth fighting for. And the question is, is that really where America is today? Right. You know, do we right. have that kind of uh, conviction? Well, you know, freedom is such an interesting term. You and I talked about this yesterday. Freedom is something that we, to me, freedom has become a word that almost has no meaning. People use it to kind of attack each other. Yeah. Um, because what freedom means to one person doesn't mean to another person. You know, the traditional, what forefathers understand about freedom, that definition of freedom, I don't think no longer translates it, it, it's to up for debate, today. certainly today. We have, yeah. a, we have a civil war taking place over, over what freedom means. Well, on right. the one hand, it gets into this radical, I, I have the freedom to do whatever I sure, want to do, sure. and that no one's going to be able to tell me what to do. And, okay. and that dissolves into a freedom that nobody's really worth fighting for at the right. end of the day. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we challenged this too on Sunday that freedom requires uh, r- risk. Yep. And and if you're going to be free, it means you have to own the responsibility of living a life that's full of risk. And many people in America today want everybody to take care of them, everybody to protect them, and they're trying to create a really a world that does not exist. There is no such thing as a risk-free world. Right. And if you're going to live and enjoy the freedoms that our country has enjoyed uh, now for over 200 years, uh, we've got to embrace the responsibility that comes with it. Yeah, I think an easy way to understand this is I think about my young kids. If they want more freedom, they need to own more responsibility. You know, I think I shared this example on our Facebook Live. Like my son, my two-year-old son wants to eat like his brothers and sisters. You know, (laughs) he's going to eat by himself. But then if he wants to eat by himself, he needs to learn to eat over the bowl and not create a huge mess. So if you want the freedom, you need to own up the responsibility. You know, I, I feel like a lot of time God looks at us the same way. It's like you guys want freedom, but can you own up to the responsibility? Do you yes. have the character? Do you have yes. the self-restraint? Do you have the self-denial to be able to handle this freedom? Yes. So. And, you know, in the series we've been we've been sharing on Sunday about moving forward and the yeah. examples from the life of Moses um, you know, it was interesting with the children of Israel when they left Egypt. I love this yeah. passage. Yeah. In the Hebrew, it says that they left with their hands <laughs> raised. They were like, yeah, big party please. celebration, sticking it to the Egyptians. Yeah, they, took, they, they took all their gold and silver from That's them. Right. It's like, woo, freedom. Yeah, right. And then, and then, uh, so God demonstrates his amazing power and he liberates them. Right. And now they're actually walking in the baby steps of freedom and they get to the Red Sea and God's getting ready to set up their absolute total deliverance from Egypt. And as soon as they experience some, we're we're using the phrase today, social disruption, like this pandemic's causing social disruption. Well, the Egyptians were causing social disruption. They're coming after them. That's right. Oh my God. It says that they saw them and they panicked and immediately they started saying things like this. Why did you bring us out here to kill us? Uh, we wish we would have, they said this, we're better off in Egypt as slaves yeah. than we are out here as basically as free people. They, wow. they embrace slavery over freedom as soon as the pressures of life came. And I, and again, I, I feel like it's a gut check for America right now yeah. as we're experiencing this social disruption. Do we have the strength and the character to live as free people or are we willing to 
release all of our liberties for uh, for whatever the security uh, comes our way or whatever security we hope for that the, the government or whoever else can provide for us. Well, it's it's just interesting thinking about again the the Israelites. They've been crying out to God for years. Years, decades. 430 years ago. Deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. And after this huge deliverance, that this little squeeze revealed what's really in their heart. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking about what talking about that that concept of when you're squeezed, what comes out is what's really inside. It's right. not what you pretend to be. It's not what you want it to be. It's what's actually inside. Exactly. You know, and the importance of identity in the midst of this. Yeah. You know, the, you gave the example in the sermon on Sunday of yeah. Jesus. Um with the cross squeezing him, talk about social disruption. Yeah, yeah. You know, knowing knowing the cross is before him, and yet that last week of his life, uh, he's there with the disciples. And the Bible says something interesting. It says Jesus knew. This is John thirteen. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So that's his identity, and that he had come from God, and that he would return to God. Uh, so Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he was here. He knew where he was headed. And then the Bible says, so he got up and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And the principle that we tried to highlight was that your behavior, your actions, uh, your mission stays consistent when you know who you are, whose you are. Jesus was a son. He understood his his role as a son. He understood the authority that he had been given to, to complete the mission. And so he just stayed on task. And I thought, man, that is such a good principle for us today. You know, your your calling, your identity, uh, uh, your 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 assignment has not changed, even though we're we're in a time of incredible social disruption. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess the phrase that comes to my mind is, "You can't fake identity. You can't purchase identity. You can't borrow identity. Right? It's yeah. forged in you." To, to really show you who you are. I mean, that's what's yeah. valuable. When, when when the Bible talks about, you know, uh, um, fire burning, refining you to get what's gold inside. That's why I feel like that's identity. Is, that's what identity is in us, you know. And even Moses, the example on Sunday, you yeah. know, Moses had all the comforts. He had security, right? Yeah. He, he, he had the cushy life. Uh, but his identity, just to your point, was so deeply embedded in him yeah. that he identified with God's people and with God's covenant. He was a Hebrew. And when push came to shove, the Bible says by faith he rejected all of that and he chose to be mistreated uh, along with the people of God. Yeah. That's identity. And sure. that, that's that's why we got to be who we are no matter what's going on around us. Right. And, and this pandemic right now is an opportunity for us to kind of look inside and see, uh, do I have this identity? And what is my identity? Amen. And what's really actually coming out? Yeah, that's you know? good. What what am I made of? You know. Right. And you know, there's an interesting study I want you to jump into here sure. uh, on uh, that Barna came out with because it really, you know, in times of social disruption, w- what happens is it's not the disruption that produces change; it's the disruption that accelerates whatever's already happening in our right. society. And we're seeing that with this pandemic as it relates to this whole idea of being connected, of, of, the, of the identity of the church, like who are we? And, you know, so everybody was excited, us included. We said yeah. we were learning things about having being forced to go online. Right. And initially, everybody's all excited about online. But now the, the data is coming out and it's not so positive. Right. And this, is, this was stunning to me when I saw yeah. this study. Uh, the new Barnum study came out. It shows that in the last four weeks, the last four Sunday, last month, uh, 48% of churchgoers, so nearly half of all churchgoers, have 
have not attended either online service or obviously in-person service because we're just opening up. So basically what Barnard's finding out, they've had zero contact with their church for a month. For a month, right. And uh, and so the novelty of, hey, we're online, and hey, look at their so-and-so, and you know, whatever. The novelty of all that's kind of wearing off. And so one out of every two, these are not just Americans. These are one out of every church-going, Jesus-loving. church-goers, right. Yeah. So so what we're seeing is the pandemic is pushing some some trends that were already happening in yeah. our society. Accelerating that, yeah. And, and, and that could be largely described under the, the banner of secularization. And when we talk about being secular, uh, it means literally means of this world. Secular people are people who just focus on this world, this world's comforts. Um, they're not thinking about the next world. They're not thinking about trans- transcendent truths or transcendent values. It's just about me right here, right now, and God's you know nowhere in the midst. And so what we're finding is not that people are denying that there's a God or deny, you know, if you went up to the typical person on the street, do you believe in God? Well, yeah. Or do you believe in Christ? Yeah. Um, that's not the issue. What's being attacked is the institution of religion. In other words, people are not, are not placing as much value on coming together at the church as family, yeah. that's what's suffering right now. And so what you're seeing with that fit almost 50% of believers with zero contact, what you're seeing is this, the rapid secularization of American life to where uh, church, and we talked about this, church is not seen as essential. Right. It's, 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 you know, hey, whatever, if we, if we can get together, great, but if not, no problem. I'll just, I'll just read my Bible at home. Right, right. I don't stop being a Christian. You don't go to church to be the church. You can be the church anywhere. And all this kind of mantra that we right. have out there, which is really a bunch of half-truths. Right. Uh, being disguised as the truth. Um, so again, what we're seeing is, uh, an emphasis on personal faith, not communal faith. Right. And my concern in all of this is, you know, the, the most dangerous attacks come in the subtle ways. You know, it's not this blatant thing. It's this kind of gradual decline. And the secularization you're talking about is kind of this gradual decline yep. of, of just like, yeah, you don't really need it. Yeah, it's not that thing. It's comfortable at home. Um, just the, the erosion of the religious institution. You know, you and I talked yesterday. You know, the, the Church of Jesus Christ wasn't a man, wasn't our idea. It wasn't like Apostle Paul thought, man, that's a great idea. Or Peter was like, let's do this. This was Jesus Christ's idea, this institution that he gave us. Yeah. He said, this is my body. You know, and, and just from a practical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, like ministry doesn't do very good when you're by yourself. Like you're severely, if you're just one, and we're supposed to be the body, right? right. And you're just one finger without the rest of the fingers, <laughs> try holding on to something, right? It doesn't work nearly as well. And I right? think that was Jesus's point, you know, yeah. to, to deal with the, we're in a, a radical individualistic American culture today. Yeah. And, and that does not bode well for the whole notion of a called out, called together, yeah. called for a distinct mission right. church that Jesus had in mind. That yeah. in other words, the, the, the sum is certainly better than the individual parts. Absolutely. And I think at this point we want to bring out, like right now in our cultural debate, we're kind of debating the, the individualism versus the collectivism. You know, and I think the, the bottom line is there needs to be a healthy balance and tension of both, yeah. you know. And what we're trying to do is have that balance because, yeah, radical collectivism is not good, but right. radical individualism is terrible too. We have a push now. In fact, in this crisis, a lot of people are saying, don't waste the crisis. Let's implement a whole new America that's really rooted in in Marxist, yeah. communist kind of uh, collectivist ideology, right. which we know is disastrous in right. the end. 
But equally disastrous is the radical Absolutely. individualism that we have in America Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. So, so I, I mean, I think many, not many people are talking about this important tension and balance. But the, the scripture talks about this, right? Yeah. The scripture talks about how Christ sees us as his body. So he talked about us as a, a member, as group, a part of the body. But he also talks about we, we want family. personal. Yeah, family. But he also talks about the personal relationship we need to have with Jesus. I can't have a relationship through you. I need to have a personal relationship. So the Bible actually balances this thing out very well, I thought. You know, Absolutely. It, it seeks out this balance of collectivism versus individualism. And that's the balance we're striving for today. You know, what we've seen happen with the government lockdown is it's forced us. I mean, we can't even get together with families. You're not even allowed to visit, for instance, your grandma if she's, you know, in a nursing home or yeah. something like that. Uh, we've had people separated from the bedsides of loved ones that maybe had to go through surgeries or things like this. I mean, it has been a radical isolation that has been placed upon us. Uh, And uh, and we're seeing that that has detrimental effects because the the, the balance, as we're trying to say biblically, is in the middle. Uh, Individual and corporate, communal. The Lord cares about both. And so, again, back to this, the the secularization of the American culture, it's not that people are losing their beliefs. Some some people are. But what's really under attack is this idea of belonging, uh, that we come together in groups, that there's more power for us and more health for us being together than being alone. Right. Uh, and that's really what we're seeing uh, being assaulted right now. And that's why I think you're seeing uh, this Barnett uh, research showing us that one out of every two uh, believing Christians in America, zero contact. So we need each other. Like, I need you to help spur me on in my faith. Absolutely. I, I need the Word of God preached on Sunday to help Give me a direction and guideline and keep me within the parameters of what it means to be a lover of Jesus. I got a great example I think everyone, I think you and I and everyone can relate to. You know, how many times, you know, I've been a life group, life group leader for years, years. And, um, but how many times, even as a life group leader, you know, the joke is, honey, I don't want, I don't want to go life group tonight. Well, you have to go. You're the life group leader. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that before these collective gathering meetings, you're like, oh, I, I'm just, I'm in the middle of this movie. I'm in the middle of eating my dinner. It's been, it's just, can we just skip tonight? <laughs> yeah. Or oh, this morning at church, I'm tired. I don't want to go to church. I just want to stay home. But then, you you know, you force, you put your pants on, <laughs> put your shirt on, you say, I'm going to go I'm, out. I'm grateful that you do that, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my wife helps me put some clothes on before you leave. But you go to the group. You go to the gathering go to the church and afterwards you're like i'm so glad i came i'm so glad i came right you know there's that initial push resistance to to not want to go and gather and meet but once you get there you just realize you needed it yes and and i think what this has done is kind of taken away the edge to get out and meet and gather um and kind of kind of uh stirs up the comfort of staying at home you know you know uh, our sociologists use the terms uh, social capital Mm-hmm. That and which is de- being depleted right now in America, we're, we're finding ourselves more isolated, more tribalistic. Yeah. We're in various camps. We don't come together. Uh, one of the sociologists called the phenomenon bowling alone. You know, mm-hmm. you used to bowl in a a, a league where you right. shared fellowship, and now people are still bowling, but they're bowling alone. Right. People are still uh, on social media, but they're alone. Uh, they have a million friends, but they're, Facebook, alone, right, but they're alone. Facebook, right? But they're alone, right? And so the whole idea of there's something powerful when we actually get together. We love each other, and you know, one of the illustrations that was given was uh, during World War One. Uh, of course, major upheaval, uh, but the clergy were 
there. They were providing hope. They were at people's bedside when they were dying. They were helping the wounded. They were providing inspiration. They were sharing the promises of God. Uh, and what happened was you you, you saw that, that, that it was faith that caused people to pull together during difficult times. We're seeing just the opposite uh, prescription now. We're basically being told the best thing that God's people can do, if you're a good neighbor, the best thing you can do is be alone, stay home, isolate, put a mask on. Um, And this is a complete reversal of what we historically have done in America, bringing social cohesion, pulling people together, uh, bringing social capital way off the charts during uh, times of uh, disruption. That's when we need each other the most. And yet now we're, we're experiencing more and more uh, government-mandated isolation uh, than ever in our history. No, we, we've seen this trend, you know, even before it's COVID-19, of, of young people, not maybe not just young people, more and more people who are more comfortable communicating online uh, through a screen, uh, texting, texting your phone, or, or you, know, you know, the joke is uh, they're texting me across the room, you know, instead of just talking to you. <laughs> Have that, you ever done that at yeah. home? <laughs> I don't want to go all the way down to the basement of my son's room, so I'll text him, hey, dinner time. <laughs> Oh, that's that's convenient. But if you're, if you're across the room from your wife, like talk to her, don't yeah. text her. Yeah. Um, but but just celebrating that trend, like but like you said, having thousands of friends on Facebook, does that really mean you're you're not alone? Does it really mean you're socially connected? And we know the answer to that a lot of times is not necessarily because you want to know the importance of intimacy with your brothers and sisters in Christ, iron sharpens iron, challenging each other, molding each other, calling each other out, being accountable to each other. That doesn't really happen online with someone you don't really know, you know, that you should share pictures with. That level of intimacy is what's needed for discipleship. Going back to discipleship. Absolutely. So, so again, the, the call of the church is for discipleship. It's not to increase viewership on YouTube or whatever it is. Though we appreciate that, right. that's not the call of the church is for discipleship. And I think our heart today when we're trying to look at, you know, everything from Memorial Day and, and are there things in life worth laying your life down for? And uh, is the church genu- uh, genuinely essential? Do you see yourself as essential? What you do, do you, do you value uh, not only your personal relationship with Jesus, but do you value our community? communal relationship with Jesus, because really right now in the midst of all these societal challenges that we're facing, the message is in many places that what we do together, what we do as identifying as God's people corporately, that we're really, we really are not essential. We're we're a luxury item because we're not being included in any of the the means by which we're called to help people. In fact, there's still so much uh, of the narrative today, and I believe it's a false narrative, and I believe it's a dangerous narrative. So much of it is, you know, it, you're selfish to want to come together. You're selfish to want to stand for li- religious liberty. You're selfish to to demand your rights. We should be laying down our rights, and it, it's a it's a false narrative because what we're trying to say is. The value of the church as an institution is so much greater uh, culturally than what we're being led to believe. Uh, that that coming together is valuable. That spending time in groups is healthy. Uh, that being alongside of somebody who's needy, who's dying, who's sick, uh, praying for people, ministering to people, caring yeah. for their souls, uh, c- preparing them for eternity. These are these are absolutely essential things that I think we're losing today in American culture, and we're going to be all the more impoverished, I think, because of it. 
you know, as a as an extreme introvert, which I, I believe you're you're probably kind of close to me too. You know, I it's not instinctual for me to be around a lot of people all the time. It drains yeah. me. I get that. But I even I recognize I need people. I am mentally so much healthier when I'm surrounded by friends and family who are able to encourage me, nourish me, just be around people, increase my health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. Yeah. You know, again, like what part of that is non-essential? You know, teaching at the alternative school for 10 years, you know, working with a lot of at-risk students. I recognize one of the most important parts is people need good friends. Young people need good friends. They need good fellowship. Um, I'm not even talking about the spiritual end, even more so in the spiritual right. level. Right. So, again, all this is to push back on the idea that gathering or, or meeting together or, uh, is non-essential. I mean, again, this to me, this is not about rights. This is about the common good. This is about health. You know, we care so much about the physical health. Right. But what about the emotional health and the social health and the, and, and the spiritual health? You know, those are my concerns as a pastor. Yeah. You know, when you come together like we have been, and I appreciate our people, about two-thirds of our folks have made their way back to church, which is great. Others have unique situations, uh, underlying conditions, etc. We've, we've encouraged people, live as free people, make responsible Absolutely. decisions. We don't need to make that decision for you. The government most certainly should not sure. be making that decision for you. You have the freedom to make those choices. Um, but I'm encouraged that we've seen about two-thirds of our folks coming back. I'm encouraged that our people are living on the basis of conviction because when it comes to resourcing the ministry and providing uh, faithfulness in terms of people's giving to the Lord, uh, these are things that are tested during times of uh, societal disruption, and our people are passing with the flying colors, you know, doing a great job. We've been demonstrating faithfulness to God no matter what's been going on. Uh, But when when those services end, I don't know about you, but... I'm encouraged, man. I'm I'm fired up. Just seeing people, just being together, it ministers right. life to me. Absolutely. And uh, and 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 here's here's our, here's our point today. We need to fight for the integrity of Christ's church. This is His idea. This is this is who He called us to be. Uh, and while there's certainly a privatized dimension to that, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. You make sure uh, you're never deceived into thinking that your personal relationship with Jesus is all that there is or that that's enough. It's yeah. not. I need you. You need me. We need each other. This The church, as you said, was Christ's idea. Right. And I just want to remind our viewers, you know, we're not questioning whether the church is going to to stay in business. You know, Christ's church is is going to win. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That the resurrection of Christ uh, forever settles the fact uh, that the church will triumph. Right. Here's the question that we're posing to our our folks that are listening or watching today: Is are you going to be a part of that victory, or will you succumb to the pressures of modern secular America, where everything is being pushed into some privatized, personal, individualistic expression, which basically says the church doesn't matter as an institution? Yeah. We're saying it does. We need to be a part of it. We need to be arguing and living in such a way that people go, man, how can we even think that the church could be anything but essential because of the vital role that we play together in ministering to the needs of our community? Right. The Church of Jesus Christ has handled a lot worse than COVID-19 Absolutely. throughout the history, Absolutely. right? A lot worse than this. That is a great point. Yeah. This is nothing. Yeah, the gates of hell cannot stand against it. So the church will survive, but the key is, will we be part of that and will we cling to our faithfulness? You know, I just had this one thought occur to me, you know, what are we, and, and 
And when I'm talking about we, I'm not just talking about pastors or professional clergy. I'm talking about yeah. everybody who are under the lordship of Jesus Christ who belong to him. You know, when you start seeing your role in the body of Christ as being essential, you will become essential. Yeah. If you start seeing your role as non-essential, you start buying to this idea that church is just a luxury or a country club, then you will live like that way. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think I, we need to first visualize, we need to meditate on the truth of the gospel to realize how important is our role in the as a body. And then we will actually acted out to our neighbors to our, to our family to to each yeah. other that is so good so we're saying to you today you're absolutely essential but do you believe it yeah uh, your role as a, as a son or daughter of the most high is critical uh, we're part of a chosen generation a royal priesthood these are corporate identities that we share which means we don't share that identity individually we that's our identity as a team and so uh, you are, are on an amazing winning team. Now our call is to act like it. And I, I want to, maybe this is a good place to end today. Yeah. Tonight, we're going to be part of a live uh, a Zoom interview with a gentleman named Irving Roth, who is a Holocaust survivor. I think at the age of 11 or so, uh, he spent um, years and years of his life uh, in uh, Nazi uh, uh, concentration, concentration camps mm-hmm. and survived. And so you're, you know, you made the comment that COVID-19 is nothing compared to some of the challenges that the church has faced. Well, the Nazi Holocaust was an, a serious attack, uh, not only on our Jewish brothers and sisters, um, but on uh, the gospel itself yeah. and on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man is going to be sharing uh, how he lived through this experience. And the issue, again, is this. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked. To, we started with freedom and mm-hmm. things willing to die for. We, we sent many, many Americans over to fight uh, against Hitler and to fight against the Nazi regime. Uh, and they gave their lives. They shed their blood. Well, what's all that about? Well, what, is, what that's about is there are some things in life more valuable than life itself. Uh, and that's what we fought for. That's what America has always fought for. Yeah. And that's what tonight you're going to have a chance to hear this man talk about how he lived through that, what he learned from it, and 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 the lessons that we, uh, the principles we need to embrace for freedom right yeah. now. Because certainly uh, anti-Semitism is on the rise, sure. not only uh, globally, but even in our own Congress. Uh, and so uh, you will not want to miss that. That's going to be tonight at seven o'clock. Um, you'll find uh, uh, the the ability to link onto that at the Kufi website. We'll have more information. We'll put a link for in, you. in this Facebook video, probably on the bottom. So you can absolutely. So any so. any final uh, words? No, for today. Act essential. Be essential. The Bible says you're essential as a follower of Jesus Christ. Live like that way. Live essentially first to yourself then to your family, and then to your community. Amen. And the last thing I would say as your pastor is stay connected. You need the body of Christ. So we've got life groups that are meeting. We've got Celebrate Recovery that's going on. Uh, We've got youth groups that are coming together. Our church is back. We're practicing social distancing on Sunday mornings. Uh, We want to encourage you, don't be isolated and don't fall into the myth that you and Jesus is all that you need uh, because that's simply not the truth. So uh, we encourage you to be connected, be essential, have an amazing week. And uh, Andrew, would you close in prayer for us today? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the institution of of the church of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we are part of your body. I can't think of a more intimate term that you can describe our relationship with you, that we are part of who you are, Lord. And Father, I want to lift up the church of the United States of America right now. Just 
that we will regather our, our identity, that we belong to you, that we're part of who you are, Lord. And the DNA that's in Christ is in all of us, Lord. The Holy Spirit is in all of us. That we will live according to our the 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 DNA, the the the, the foundation is the essence in us. Uh, that we belong to you, that we are essential. We're here to carry out the gospel, Lord. And we pray for our local church, Lord, that like, you will bless us with vision and dreams, with passion, Lord, with our conviction to serve and love our neighbors, Lord, to love each other, um, to love our families, uh, and to make the biggest impact we can for your kingdom, for, your, for, your, for, for all the works to come, Lord. We want to ask that you will just Continue to grow us in this season as we continue to be squeezed. You reveal what's in our hearts, Lord. Help us change. Help, help us adapt. Help us grow so we can be more like you. We pray all of this, all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen. All right. Have a great week. We'll look forward to seeing you later, See you guys.